everyone. Welcome to Morning Matcha. Today's guest is Catherine Budig, who's a yoga teacher, a writer, author, chef, and a dog mom. Hi, Catherine. Hi. You said my last name right. That's impressive. Do people mess up on it? Every time. What, is, what do they say? Budig, Budig, oh. Budding. It could be like <laughs> French, right? That would what be is sophisticated. It, but, yeah. It's German, actually. Oh. Mm-hmm. So who knows? We could be pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, but that's, exactly. That's how my dad calls it. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine Budig. Um, well, it's so nice to be here with you today. Likewise. And I like, I was just thinking about you know, our conversation. And I was thinking I could like maybe a year ago, I would have like totally fan. I mean, I like am fangirling (laughs) over you and I'm so excited and I get to interview a lot of people, but this is like really special for me because, um, I have a background in yoga and I went to culinary school Mm. for raw food. I'm definitely not a raw foodie at all by any means at this point. That must have been fascinating though. It was fun. And around the same time, I was just like following along with your journey and everything. And like I mentioned to you earlier, I have a Husky. And so I just felt like we had a lot in common and team dog hair. And I, yeah, (laughs) literally it's like my car two times a day yeah so bad (laughs) um but yeah so it's so nice to sit here with you and ask about you know how you got started and just share with our readers and listeners about um just your career and what you're all about because you truly are someone who lives her truth and it's not just a saying True. I tried to do that very yeah. much so. Yeah, the career has been really interesting. Even when you're asking me earlier, how do I intro you? That's a struggle for me right now. It used to be very simple, yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where um, we go through seasons in our life. And I'm definitely entering a, a new season in my life right now and trying to figure out what I want to bring with me and what I'm ready to let go of and what that evolution looks like. Mm-hmm. But I, I started out in Los Angeles. Well, there were things that happened before LA, but yeah. <laughs> my, my career really started in LA where I trained at Yoga Works with Matias Roddy and Chuck Miller at mm-hmm. Yoga Works. To the founders, to right? Not exactly. Mm-hmm. And Mati is my mentor and I love her to death. And she saw something special in me. And I did the training just thinking it was a cool job that I could do on the side to make money in LA because I was still pursuing acting. Oh, okay. At the time, I had a big theatrical background. Mm. And I fell in love with yoga. And uh, what was here at the time? Like it was just yoga works or like, um, how did you yoga even find works, it? Exhale mm-hmm. was really popular in Santa Monica. You know, think Shiva Ray, Saul David Ray. Uh, it, it's, uh, it was a different world, you know, because it wasn't something, you know, there was the Sean Korn and the, yeah. the Baron Baptiste's and uh, it, it wasn't a career that you went into because you wanted to be famous or make money yeah. or be really successful. It was definitely a passion project. And, and, uh, I just, I was young. I was 21, I think when I did my training and I, I started teaching a bunch at yoga works and eventually I saw some people were on the travel circuit and I was like, Oh, this sounds kind of interesting. So when I would go visit my family in Charleston, I reached out to the Savannah Yoga Center and the Charleston Yoga Center there being like, hey, I'm going to be in town and you don't need to pay for anything except for just the tickets. Like, would you let me teach there? Tickets like flying you there? Yeah. Like, that's amazing. You don't have to fly me. You don't have to put me up. You don't have to feed me. You don't have to do anything. Like, I'll get myself there. I'll take care of myself. Uh, Is that okay? And 
a few suckers said yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, wedged my way in. And it was the kind of thing back in the day is once you got on the travel circuit, you were kind of in. Mm -hmm. So that's where I started to travel. You know, I really only wanted to do it a couple times a year. And fast forward years and years later, it turned into almost once a week. Mm -hmm. And now I'm trying to revert away from that where I'm maybe traveling once a month mm -hmm. feels more ideal for me or eventually it would be nice to do even less. So, uh, and, and yoga and anyone who does yoga, you know, it's not just asana practice. It's not yeah. just the poses. Then you get curious about nutrition and wellness and meditation and, and how do I exist in the world as a human under these, uh, this umbrella and premise of yoga. Mm -hmm. So it really turned into a whole lifestyle, but also what is my interpretation of that lifestyle versus what are the expectations? And I don't know if we're going to go there, but you know, the yoga world, bless its heart. And if you're from the South, that's what you say when you're actually <laughs> trying to say it's a shit show. Um, <laughs> You know, yoga is so amazing, but the community loves to get on this, uh, like, superior moral platform. Yeah, it's and all about perfection. Yeah, and you know, and, and it's it's terrifying and it's really sad. And so I'm trying to take the principles that I've learned and loosen them up. But like, how can I be a good person that doesn't have their nose up and is ready to shoot everyone down for everything that they're doing incorrectly. Yeah. Which I see happening a lot. And was it always like that for you? Or did you ever find yourself falling into that super rigid trap? Well, I think so. I'm a vinyasa teacher would be probably the, the most generic way to describe mm -hmm. me. But my background yoga works as a mix of Iyengar yoga, Ashtanga yoga and Vinny. So that's my training. But I did a ton of my source style Ashtanga for a long time. So I think for a long time, you're just kind of trying to be like, Ashtanga is the way to be. And then the Iyengar yogis are like, no, it's Iyengar. And then, you know, everyone has their own thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we already have these different schools of yoga that are, think they're better than the other. For yeah, they X, judge y, each other. Yeah. <laughs> so that was more of the superiority complex that happened in my time was more my yoga is better than your yoga. Mm -hmm. Social media wasn't a thing yet. You yeah, know, I mean, crazy. I remember when Facebook came to be, and one of my best friends, Jesse Shine, who's a yoga teacher also, we were both like, let's get profiles and see who can get the most friends first. <laughs> and it wasn't a business thing. It was yeah. just like a silly, you know, competition. Personal and, yeah. 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 And then it ended up being this booming business platform. And then Instagram, which I thought was just something that you use to put filters on your photos to look pretty. I didn't even know it was a sharing platform for the longest time. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank God. I, I mean, I had to go through <laughs> and I figured that out and be like, Oh, delete, delete, delete. Um, your so, personal photo diary that everyone just happens to see. Right. The photos that you want to filter because <laughs> you're sending it to someone. That, um, <laughs> so it, it's, I do feel like social media for all the good things that it does. It's also, dramatically changed the yoga community yeah sometimes for the better but i would say no for the mostly majority, yeah. for the worse yeah like look what i can do or i well, mean that's what the whole thing is though, I, I, I think the everything. biggest beef that i have with it is just when i grew up if you wanted when i grew up in the yoga world if you wanted to be someone in the yoga world you had to train Mm -hmm. and you had to train with the best and you had to get out there and you had to hustle and you had to garner experience and you had to teach a million classes and you had to work. And now it's more of a like, you know, people look at a number of following and that's synonymous with, oh, you're advanced. Expertise, yeah. Exactly, which is completely incorrect. Yeah. 
And not to say that people with big followings aren't great. Like there are people with big followings that are excellent. There's mm -hmm. also, ex I mean, Mati, my teacher, she doesn't have a big social media following and she's one of the best teachers in the world, mm -hmm. you know? So that's where it saddens me. Cause I just don't, I see a lot of people going through teacher training and being like, okay, how do I be like you now? Yeah. I'm like, do you know how long this took? <laughs> like this is it's work. You mm -hmm. need to go learn how to be a student first and then you have to teach and mm -hmm. that's how you become a good teacher. But I mean that applies to um, many many jobs beyond yoga, yeah. I know. And that's true and I want to get into that too because you do this nowadays anyone could just sign up for the 200 hour and be a yoga instructor but mm -hmm. like you're saying it takes work and part of that work is also confidence yes. confidence that you can and are able to do this obviously it takes a lot of teaching and practicing to really understand the concepts but mm -hmm. that transfers into all areas of life and all um other jobs as well yeah people who are just graduating and or you know just getting into their careers I think just talking about confidence is really um interesting I know you talk about body image mm -hmm. um but also just I want to get into body image but also just confidence in general and what you learned about yourself like were you confident from the beginning <laughs> no yeah no 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 no, no. I, I think the word that actually comes up for me when I hear confidence is the word resistance mm -hmm. there's actually this really great book called the war of art which mm -hmm. is the play on the art of war and the whole concept is resistance. And especially if you are an artist or a writer or a performer of some sorts, the resistance that you feel in your life and that we all feel it, that it almost has its own identity. And most of us never get beyond the resistance, which is translated to lack of confidence. Resistance to like being... Resistance to being bigger, mm -hmm. resistance to writing that novel that you want to write, to teaching those classes that you want to teach, like... I want to leave my job and become a yoga teacher. I, I want to, you know, create the next best symphony, whatever it is, that voice in your head that's like, you're not good enough. This isn't, there are people better than you, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole concept is where you feel the strongest resistance is your power. And that's the biggest thing that you should be pursuing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I mean, you hear people say that all the time. I, I got a phone call the other day to uh, audition for this thing. I'm sorry, I can't talk about it. But I immediately was like, oh, you know, my guts were wrenching. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I'm not good. That's like outside of my wheelhouse. I'm not good enough yeah. to do this. And then, you know, once I sat with that, it's like full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition or not, but I did throw myself into, I'm going to try. That's so exciting. Yeah, because it matters. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in the same way that, you know, really big athletes like still get wildly nervous before they play. And that means that it's still there. I mean, teachers, what do I do? Like, how do I get rid of the nerves before I teach? You don't, you use it. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to learn how to transmit the the jitters into adrenaline and, and, and energy and, and specializing in, in your message and what it is that you want to convey. So it's not bad. You just have to lean into it yeah and use it yeah because it's just a voice in your head that you i don't have think to... many people are confident i i just think that's this facade absolutely a facade you know and i think it's kind of a marketing tool learn how to be confident it's like <laughs> mm, no you know i think you just learn how to get more comfortable with unease 
and use it to your benefit. And then you can look back and be like, I feel really good about that. I mean, I'm confident about things in retrospect where like that class was awesome. Yeah. That recipe was really good. But when you're putting the offering out into the world, there's always that like, Ooh, I could have done better. It's not, how are people going to, because we want, we wait for the response of others to often judge whether or not we did a good job, Mm -hmm. which is something that I do work on is like, how can I feel complete within myself, regardless of the expectation of others? Yeah. And that is a daily practice, like hands down. Yeah. It's always changing. Oh gosh. You know, and when people ask me, how are you so confident? I I don't (laughs) think I am because I am always working on it. Mm Mm-hmm. You just don't get to see the internal musings of a, a person outside of them. You get to normally see the the kind of finished, practiced product. Especially now with social media. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. crazy. And with all those pretty filters, how do you say no to popping the colors? It's so pretty. Yeah. You know, it's so difficult <laughs> yeah. to just let something be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when did you start like honing in on the body stuff and really like just mm. speaking up about it? uh well and was it because of the community that you were in yes yes I mean I think a I'm a human so I have body image issues because I'm a human Mm -hmm. step one and I don't think it's gender specific at all by the way uh you just tend to hear women speak about it more and then I was also a young yoga teacher in the wellness world and the wellness world especially behind the scenes with people who cast you or people who photograph you or they want to put you in something, they're looking for young, fit, skinny people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're definitely now finally seeing uh, yeah, this movement into more body types, but for the longest time it's been white, skinny, you know, girl next door, boy next door, just generic, like flawless, no cellulite. So and, crazy. Yeah. And it's just, you can't help but fall into that place of like, oh, I have to look this way. And even when I was younger, if I knew I had to do a photo shoot, I'm such a big eater that I'm so grateful to like spirit or my mom or whoever made me love food so much Mm -hmm. because I've never had the discipline to do something bad to myself because I like to eat too much. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell myself like, oh, I'm going to eat less. And then an hour passes. I'm like, "Mm, yeah. (laughs) So, but it's just but I still know that struggle of like, wow, that the neuroses and that self-hatred that comes up with like, I have to look this way. And if I don't look this way, I'm going to be judged. You know, for me and my, my weight has fluctuated a lot. I mean, I think at my skinniest, I was like 108 pounds and I'm five foot two, which was pretty petite Mm -hmm. for my body right now. I I actually don't own a scale because it makes me feel bad about life. Same. So (laughs) I think I'm somewhere between like 120 and 125 right now. And it's just, I've, fluctuate you know but it's very difficult for me as a 35 year old woman now being on the heavier spectrum of what I've been in my life you know I find myself looking at old photos myself lusting for that younger physique but it's just been nice to actually fluctuate because then I feel like at least my body is a bit more relatable to more people Mm -hmm. you know and I can't be relatable to everybody because I don't look like everybody and I just try to share my personal story and hopes that it will reach someone and it will help them in their situation. Maybe I'm going to turn some people off. It is definitely not my intention to do so, but just whoever needs to hear what I have to say is going to benefit from it. As long as I'm trying to come from a very thoughtful, inclusive verbiage and, and, and platform. Mm -hmm. Are there people that don't want to hear it? Absolutely. I'm a size four. 
Like, yeah. You know, so they're I mean, like, I, who I, are I you? understand that to the general public, like I'm a petite. Yeah, you are. Uh, you know, body type that people would want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem that a lot of people in the spotlight forget mm-hmm. that if you were, I mean, even a size six is like, I mean, what I don't even know what the normal size is in America now. I think it's a size, I don't know, 12 or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even like to say one size is big, one is skinny, yeah. one is plus. Like, what does that even mean? But it's just, I think anyone who has a platform, you have to be sensitive if you're like, I just, oh, I'm really struggling with my body image. And then you put some really beautiful fucking photo. Can, yeah. I, can I say that, by the way? Yeah, okay. totally. <laughs> photo of yourself talking about your insecurities. You're going to trigger people. Because mm-hmm. they're going to be like, shut up. Like, I would love to look like that. I see that happen to me all the time when I'm reading feeds. And I'm just like, what? You struggle? <laughs> you know, and it's that's my gut reaction. Mm-hmm. And then I have to reel it back in and be like, yeah, everybody struggles. Yeah. And just because they look like that doesn't lessen their experience. But if you do look like that, you can be a bit more sensitive if you're trying to help people Mm -hmm. about how you phrase it. That's Mm -hmm. all. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And you've done, did you do a Ted talk on this or was it my body? Uh, I've not done a Ted talk. I'd love to do a Ted talk. You should. Um, (laughs) Was it mind, body, green? It was mind, body, green. Yes, I, uh, I did a talk that. for Mind Body Green Revitalize, and it was uh, about it. Just you know, I, I've had nasty comments on Instagram about my body before, and Facebook, and all of that, and it just it was about body shaming, and well, it started even from like that toe socks thing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and I can you know, as I look back, I can see how that triggers people too. What was everyone's problem with it? Well, I am just wearing socks. <laughs> So there's that, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a black and white campaign of me in my birthday suit with my toe socks on doing yoga poses. And I was super honored to be part of the campaign because I love the photographer. Mm-hmm. The photographer's name is Jasper Joe Hall, and he's just wildly talented. He photographs yogis and dancers. His main thing is in the nude and the campaign for him is called Body is Temple. Mm-hmm. And he just has spectacular lighting that, you know, showcases all the curves of the body and the muscles and this and that. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's art. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to work with him. And then Toe Socks asked us. And I think I was <sighs> like 24, 25 when I shot it. And I just didn't think ahead of what this meant or what it would look like or how people would interpret it. And you learn lessons the hard way. And I'm, I don't regret doing it because mm-hmm. my intention was in the right place. But it's also like, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. I was a young, white, blonde, skinny yoga girl, mm-hmm. which there's none of those. You know, we need more of those. <laughs> like, I get it. I get that I look like the thing that the world desperately needs to cut back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and does that mean I shouldn't have done the campaign? I don't know. No. I don't know. Actually, I really don't have an answer for that. Because the world could use 100% more diversity than what we have right now. But um, I think that's yeah. a really interesting thing to talk about because um, I'm Persian. I'm not a young. I mean, I'm young, but I'm not a white girl with blue <laughs> We're eyes. We're still young. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm still young. But um, and I never really identified my my I'm a first generation. So my parents okay. are from Iran, but I was born here. OK. And I never really I. I spoke Farsi until I was five and then even though I grew up here so um they really like ingrained the culture in me but at the same time I found myself like not I didn't know but I would just like want to be like everyone else when I was younger or I didn't really think that 
I felt different, but I don't know, for some reason, basically I just like integrated into the American culture and that's just part of growing up here. But it wasn't until recently that I started really identifying with my culture more. Mm -hmm. And then with the the whole election stuff happening (laughs) and all that, then I started getting super sensitive and feeling like, you know, with the whole Muslim ban, then I was like, oh my God, like, where's my place in the world? But I think it's so important important to talk about your perspective as well, because you're such an aware, you're so aware of yourself and where you stand in the world and you have so much intention and integrity. Um, and, but like you exist and you're here. And so it shouldn't mean that you shouldn't exist. Right. You know, it's so complicated. It's, like a, it's super complicated and it, it shouldn't mean that you're, you shouldn't be, um, in the limelight or whatever. It just should mean that other people should also have the opportunity. And now one good thing about social media is that is a way that people can create that for themselves and create their own community. And, um, and then also like step into the spotlight or whatever and, and show that there is diversity because before, I guess it would have been more difficult because I I guess we do have our, residing president to thank for that. I don't even like using his name that I much. Know. Um, but I do feel like in the wake of the election, what we've learned is how much this pendulum can swing. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've been here for a long time on so many issues. And because of the chaos that's been unleashed, we've had this massive swing to the other side, which in many ways is amazing because it's waking people up. It's making them look at things in a completely different light. That's fantastic. But obviously any polarity is not great. Mm -hmm. And I do think once you swing all the way to the opposite side, we start to hopefully eventually balance out. Mm -hmm. But at least when we get to that peak on the other side, we see things that we've never seen before. And it doesn't mean that like, oh, you belong and you don't belong. It means listen to your neighbors, listen to other perspectives, understand who you are and your role and what you play. And then let's all get together and see like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes things don't seem fair, but what doesn't seem fair to me has been completely unfair to a person for generations of their entire life. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to like pay for that, but you have to listen, you have to understand and get together. Mm -hmm. So it's, I do not have an answer to all of that, but I just... I'm hyper aware of my position within the yoga community and I can't change the way that I look or my upbringing or my heritage, but I can be very particular with my words and my interactions and and what I try to do in hopes that it helps and makes a difference. So do you believe everyone has a responsibility to do that as well? I do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think everyone has a responsibility to understand uh, understands a hard word because I don't think everyone can understand, but to try, mm-hmm. uh, to listen, to be observant. And we are really blessed because we live in urban areas. The problem is once you step outside of Los Angeles, New York, even Charleston, where I live, it's a very different world. And maybe those views aren't what you and I agree with, but that's also what the only thing they've been given mm-hmm. and that's how they've been raised. And that's a hard shell to break through. Yeah. So it's just, it's not an excuse, but it's like, we can't just get on our high horse and be like, this is the right way. And that's the wrong way. Cause that's not solving anything either. It's like, okay, let's try to understand how I got to where I am, how you got to where you are and how can we, you know, like, join forces in some shape or form. Yeah. And actually 
while you've been talking, I started thinking about the whole Facebook thing that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And how... You're talking about the privacy. Yeah. Yeah. And just how, like... They use these algorithms to feed us like what? Oh, it's disgusting. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, like I, I knew that this was happening, but this is just like actually proof. Like you can see it if you step outside yourself for a little bit and you're like, wait, what? Like, how did they know? Or it's, there's a really interesting interview with a Google ethicist who it was on Sam Harris's podcast Mm -hmm. on waking up. And I can't think of the ethicist's ethicist's name that's a hard word so they have ethicists yes that's amazing and he was saying how they definitely came up with algorithms that are meant to they're addictive like they are straight up meant to be addictive there's even studies now where you look at alcohol and cigarettes and anything that comes with a warning label on it and how maybe down the line kids won't be able to use smartphones and computers into a certain age because they are just as addictive as tobacco, as alcohol, and that should come with a warning label too. Mm -hmm. And and it's, you know, it's also new in our world that I don't think we've had time to fully digest what it all means. Is it addictive because, well, obviously phones are addictive for many reasons, but what the Google ethicist was saying. Um, I mean, they've researched what, I mean, I don't remember exactly like ABC plus this equals addiction, but I mean, they're definitely the way things are set up in these platforms, like the clickbait and everything. It's meant to send you down the rabbit hole. Totally. And it like val, uh, what's the word? Like validates Mm -hmm. your viewpoint too. So just like feeds you what you already believe in. Yeah. And then that's how you go down the rabbit hole. And then you're like more righteous in your viewpoint and you're less willing to hear someone else's. Yeah. Views. And I feel like it's killing my brain cells too, honestly. To- totally. It's, it's, we're, we're all just going to be these little zombies with a screen in front of our face if we don't wake up and yeah. shake it up a little bit. I actually just did Panchakarma for the first time. Okay. And I'm on a screen all the time. Like I'm sure. always on my phone or my computer, just like everyone else, but even like, especially it, with your job. Yeah. With yeah. my job, it's all online too. Right. So, but with my Panchakarma, she was like doing the oil on my third eye and my eyes were vibrating for wow. like 30 minutes. And I was like, I feel like I'm getting my sight back or something like, wow. cause my eyes have just been like, you know, depleted of whatever. So that was a really amazing experience. And it really made me think, about how much time I spend like Mm -hmm. uh, and I have had LASIK eye surgery I mean I already have bad eyes or I did I don't anymore but I'm so conscious of it because you know before it was like waking when I was younger we spent so much time watching tv like all day long because my parents were working and yeah it's like (laughs) literally that's all we did school tv school tv Sad. I cried when my mom got me the Disney Channel when I was little. I was like, I have the best mom in the world. <laughs> that is amazing. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I start to get vertigo if I'm on a computer screen for too long. Yeah. I think, well, I know we could all benefit from spending lots of time on it. And listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. So much better for your eyes. I know. <laughs> this one you can watch too, though. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, addiction it comes in all shapes and forms and where we least look at it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about relationship with you. Okay. So just in general, like, again, I was, I've been following you. So I remember when you got engaged to your boyfriend mm-hmm. before, and then you guys got married and then 
you got divorced and now you're engaged to Kate. Mm -hmm. And I just want to hear about like how that trajectory was for you and how that all went down and is it all a blur for you or, and how I, I want to, and then we'll get into like sexuality and cause we live in a society that still wants to, even though we're progressive and we're changing in these urban areas, um, we still want to like put people in a box yeah. and have them identify with yes. something. And I think that's, the problem to begin with and so I just I'm very curious about your journey and how um if you felt that as well throughout. I completely agree that people like to check you off and put you in a box and I know since getting the divorce and since coming out with being with Kate and that a lot of people don't and even with my career that I'm not just doing yoga and all these other things that I'm doing people are like I don't understand what you are yeah I mean you even look uh, social media shows us this the pages that do really really well are the pages that give the exact same kind of content every single day totally the look is you know it's a brand it looks a certain way I know I'm coming to you because you create orange pillows <laughs> you are the orange pillow page <laughs> you know people just yeah. they love that um so uh, it's been a little bit of a battle for me in the sense that, like, of course, like, I want people to like me. I want to feel like what I'm putting out into the world is something people want. But that's also so many people fall victim to that. And then they become part of the machine because they're not really putting their gifts out into the world that they want to share. They're putting out what think they think people want to see from them. Mm -hmm. And I don't fault anyone for doing that because it's very easy to do. Mm -hmm. But I you know, with Kate, I, I think more than it was less like, Oh my gosh, what are people going to think of me being with a woman and more like, Oh my God, I just had a really public wedding, like a whatever amount of time, not very long ago. And now I'm going to come out that I'm not with my husband anymore. And there, I didn't spend a lot of time with fear of like, people aren't going to respect me. Cause it's just like, I don't care if you don't respect me for leaving a relationship that I was miserable in. Yeah. It's your life. Yeah. Like it's not there, you know? And once I did the rounds with my friends and my family and they were all supportive, mm -hmm. then it was just like, okay. I mean, I have no choice, but to march forward. It was terrifying. Anyone who's been through divorce knows how terrifying it is and miserable and nasty people are, but it just, every ounce of my body was like, this is right. Well, your whole platform is aimed true. Yeah. And that's like what you went to, but I'm so curious about like how you, cause I'm sure you felt like you were aiming true when you got married. Oh, and absolutely. I'm, yeah. And I even tell people your aim can change, yeah. you know, it, it's not one tangible thing. It's an energy. And at the time when I was with my ex-husband, I was in love with him. He was in love with me. It, it was the right thing. And then somewhere along the way, I, I knew it wasn't right, but we, I, I was like, this is just being adult and this is what it feels like. And, and I just made excuse after excuse after excuse, instead of really listening to how I was feeling. And then finally, when Kate came into my life, it was just like a baseball bat to the face. That's amazing. And I, I mean, like, like oh. I feel like 
that <laughs> probably doesn't feel amazing having a baseball bat to your face, but right. it's just so the amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the wake up is pretty epic. And, you know, first, and I didn't know if things were going to work out with her and it was different and crazy and wild, but it was just felt like I had my person finally in my life. And how did you meet? We met, uh, I used to be sponsored by Under Armour and they would send me to the ESPNW summit that was held once a year. And she was speaking at it and I was teaching at it. And we had met a couple times really briefly before. Mm -hmm. And she came to my classes that I was teaching. And then we just finally got to connect and, and talk. So and cool. I got to hear her speak. And she's really wildly intelligent and magnetic. And we kept in touch. And, you know, mm -hmm. she thought I was a heterosexual woman who didn't understand my feelings. <laughs> Did you think that you were or I've n like I've never identified with heterosexual, but I've never identified with bi mm -hmm. either. I've never. And it goes back to the labels. I'm like, I don't there isn't a box that I can check that feels like me. Yeah. Um, And like even now when people are like, oh, so you're a lesbian now. I'm like, no, like yeah. that's that's not how I identify either. Because I've historically been in romantic relationships with men my entire life. I've also been involved with women, but my relationships have been men. with yeah. men. And yes, now I'm going to marry a woman. But so I identify as fluid because mm -hmm. I just I'm attracted to people. And yeah, you fell in love with the person. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And and I feel lucky in the, the kind of political climate that we're in right now that people are waking up and learning more. So I feel that the, the one good part is that people are way more uh, like they're like sponges for information. Mm -hmm. They want to learn how to speak properly. They want to understand. Yeah. And I feel like a couple years ago, it may have been different. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. So now you're engaged. Yes. How long has that been? A uh, couple months last year and we haven't announced it and we're not going to and we're not making anything public mm -hmm. I learned my lesson <laughs> this is for us like I just it's and it's not a shame thing it's just like I'm we're not our relationship is not for the public mm -hmm. like yes we do things publicly together as a couple but you know we want to keep that around like our podcast and we wanted to keep it around the things that we do work-wise together and the occasional like oh here's a photo of us and we're doing this mm -hmm. or I'll share an essay that I think might help people but it's just we want our life to be for us yeah and to not get caught up in the external outer interpretation of who people think we are mm -hmm. I love that so when life hits you with a baseball bat <laughs> um or when it hit you, yes. did you, were you finding yourself depressed ever? Or did you go through, like, I'm sure yeah. emotions come and go. I but was numb. Mm -hmm. I think numb is the best word. And I could kind of tell that I was numbing out and with my ex. Mm -hmm. um, I just couldn't verbalize what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, and funny enough, like, I actually had a real bout of depression once Kate and I moved to Brooklyn mm. because I was digesting the divorce. I left my home. I was in a new place career wise. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I didn't want to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's lived in New York, you get it. Like New York is just a lot. Yeah. And that's when I finally went to a therapist and because my best friend is a nurse anesthetist and she was like, you might benefit from a low dose antidepressant. Mm -hmm. And as a yoga teacher, I'm like, Oh, 
Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need that. But, you know, I, I just I, have a handstand practice that's right. going to help. <laughs> Which, yeah, handstand yeah. meditation helps. But sometimes people are chemically mm-hmm. imbalanced. And <laughs> so, I mean, I went to a New York City psychiatrist, did the whole thing. We ended up deciding we I didn't need to go on something. But I started talking to him every single week and huge proponent of therapy. I think yeah. anyone, I mean, I also feel very privileged that I yeah. had the funds to go talk to someone. Mm-hmm. But it was amazing. And and now I speak regularly to, I have a, a couple different people who really help me that I always reach out to when I have trouble formulating my thoughts. Because there's no such thing as, like, uh, you know, if you're a life coach or a yoga teacher, like, no one has it all figured out. Nobody. No. And if they act like they do, run far, 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 far away from them. Mm-hmm. Because we all have, life is complicated and, and there's just, honestly, so many beautiful things in my life right now. There's so many horrible, really hard things that I'm dealing with right now too. And it's just, I can't just be all glowy and smiley for people because that's what they want from me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you really need to take the time, whether you're a mom or you feel like you're the caretaker of someone to, to bring that back in for yourself. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Well, what's, what's gonna, what can we expect from you for your career? (laughs) What's coming up next? I don't know. Um, I, you know, I'm moving more and more into food right now because it has been something I've been so in love with for a long time. I just want to clarify when I say I'm moving into food, that doesn't mean I'm moving away from yoga. Yeah. I would like to travel less because it's just, it's depleting me and, mm-hmm. and I need a routine. Um, I'm still contributing regularly to yogaglow.com. And so that's where people can practice with me online. Oh, cool. So they don't have to travel somewhere to find me. But um, I've got a few tricks up my sleeve with the cooking world that I want to explore. And and Kate and I have a few ideas for uh, maybe creating a production company of sorts in Charleston. And and uh, like a cooking show. Uh, maybe it'll be the home to some shows. Oh maybe it could house our podcast. We want to yeah. nurture young writers. Um, more book content down the future. Definitely some cool content on Yoga Glow for my students, mm-hmm. too, that I want to cook up. So, yeah, and I want—I just want to thread on the roots in Charleston. So, hopefully, there's going to be more kind of brick and mortar stuff happening there in the next Ooh, couple of years. Okay, yeah. a little hint there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> oh well, thank you. It was so fun, spe- like hanging with you, yes, and thank you for coming I'm to excited. see me. Yeah, of course. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a comment or review, and share with your friends. I'm always reading our comments and love hearing from you, so keep in touch, and I'll see you next time.